Welcome back to The Christ and Culture, the show where we discuss culture as a means of evangelization by finding elements of Christ and his church revealed within. This is Gordon. And this is Clint. I like that. Your, your inflections there. It sounded very like radio announcer-y. I, know, I, was, I started that way and I noticed it halfway through and I was like, all right, this is how we're doing it. We're going to run with it. I love it. Plus, I've been, I've been, we just finished Legends of Korra oh. and uh, Varric. <laughs> Eric, yeah. Talks that way. And he ended up being one of my favorite characters in the end. So, yeah, that's, I think that's another reason why. Yeah, there's parts of the show where he's very annoying. Oh, in the first two seasons, he's the worst. Yeah. But he has this him. beautiful story arc near the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, overall thoughts on, on Korra? We got thumbs up, thumbs down. What are we feeling? Okay. I would say, you know, Avatar The Last Airbender. A Legend of Korra. Okay. So I did like a straight up thumbs up for those that can't see us because this is a podcast. <laughs> and then I did like between 10 and 11 o'clock or a one and two o'clock thumbs okay. up. Just because I, I think the biggest thing, and this is not a spoiler, is I, I think it's because of seeing Avatar The Last Airbender. I think Avatar The Last Airbender set up this great story of like, here's the issue let's live out this whole D&D journey uh, for three seasons to figure out how we're going to solve that issue with side quests. Mm-hmm. Legend of Korra is like, what does it look like if there is an avatar who faces like multiple like massive guys, issues? Yeah. Like just massive issues. Like sure. it was even said in the end of the last season, like, you know, you've accomplished more and changed the world more in a way than any avatar in their lifetime. And it's just because, it, it, and it's almost, almost built as if like the writers didn't know at the end of each season, whether they're going to be another season or not. Kind of. Yeah. You know, yeah. so it's like, that was, that's the only thing is it's not like totally what's that, what's the word for that? Like continuative, like it doesn't necessarily flow Yeah. as the start of the next season. There's always like a time jump when they catch you up. But other than that, I loved it. Like I love the time period. I love the characters. I love the differences. It was great. So that's, that's definitely the major thing that I don't like about Korra too. But the more I think about it, that actually kind of makes sense though, because not everyone's going to have like just that one big issue. Right. right? So, so many avatars had, different small issues throughout their life. And it just so happens that Cora had a bunch of really, really big issues when she's only a teenager back to back to back. And so it it makes sense that the avatar is going to face more than one thing in their lifetime. But yeah, like how do you portray that in a TV show without breaking it up? Like, like you said, right. And with, and with Aang, he was like, learning how to be the avatar but with Korra she like knew how to be the avatar so easily like from like a three-year-old yeah. that the, the show had to change to well now we're going to throw things at you that that challenge your physical mental and spiritual like being so like you're doing avatar stuff because you have the ability but still learning like how to cope with that mm-hmm. we don't really get to see the aftermath of Aang so, but we get to see the, all the aftermath of Korra and her decisions. Other than his statue and his family. Right. Which and are like, adorable. Yeah. Okay. So you've, you've watched Korra. What else have you been taking in this week? Yeah, we just finished it last night. Lizzie's been rewatching Parks and Rec. Hilarious. Which I've never really seen through and through. And so I've pretty much watched like the third and fourth season with her together i've you know i've gotten the glimpse of that and characters and stuff so i watched that with her um i'm still playing that harry potter mobile game i think i mentioned with you two weeks ago Mm -hmm. like harry potter hogwarts mystery it's like any mobile game uh, lots of waiting um in between being able to do things because you like lose energy but the story is great because it's like in between um like voldemort hurting harry potter but before uh, harry potter's old enough to go to school so like i just recently babysat draco malfoy and so and then and then fluffy is like a puppy right now 
And so right now I'm dealing with Hagrid and Fluffy, but it's also its own storyline as well. Those are all side quests. So it's, it's really cool because I think it's like actual lore and like filling in a lot of the gap that's not been like read or talked about with like uh, the online stuff and then the uh, Fantastic Beast storyline. It's like another whole gap. So it's great, but if it's a lot of um, effort as far as if you're wanting to play that the app or like oh that sounds awesome it's a lot of like doing a lot and not doing a lot at the same time okay maintenance upkeep uh other than that lizzie got animal crossing from her brother okay for the switch and we've been playing animal crossing mostly her uh, i I feel like that's that's finally on the decline because everyone was talking about that throughout like the entire lockdown and now it's uh, Fall Guys is what everyone's talking about. Fall Guys? Fall Guys. Huh, never, never, I haven't heard of that. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm on the, I jumped on that bandwagon a little late. but uh, <laughs> Give it a couple months. You'll start hearing of Fall Guys and you'll, you'll start playing that. I understand why Animal Crossing is a perfect lockdown game, though. It makes sense. And then... Uh, oh, uh another switch game that her brother let me borrow called hollow Knight. Okay. What, what is that? It's, it's, it's an indie game. So it's probably like 25, 30 bucks for all of it. And I don't know if you ever played Metroid, like the classic Metroid game, but if it, it, the play style reminds me a lot of that where it's like you start out with almost nothing and you have to like enhance your weapons and like, you have to find like save points in the game. And every time you save any new map that you've like discovered goes into like the map that you can actually look at. Otherwise, if you die before saving, you lose those areas. Like you, you know, like you, you can go back to them, but you can't like the map that you can look at. It's not, it's not a part of it yet. Okay. So you have to like unlock memory, like almost like memories and unlock new aspects and, um, but there's no one direct route. It's not like a map that's like a tunnel. It's like a map that's open-ended and there's certain areas that if you try to go to too soon when you're too weak, you, yeah, you'll just die. I, I love open world games. I feel like there's just, there's so much more to like the, the story sometimes. Well, it's, it's not really open world. It's definitely side scrolling, oh. but the map layout in the sense that like you can go right, left, up or down and there's not like a direct path to the next spot. You have to discover where the next zone that you're fully capable to go to is, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Cool. So that's about it. That's a lot. I, I've been taking a, a lot too. And I feel kind of bad because we're supposed to be doing like fasting from technology <laughs> for, for the post-Exodus stuff right now. And I'm just like not yeah. doing a good job of that at all. But yeah. So here we go. I watched this, uh, I think it was a British rom-com. It, I, I watched it a couple weeks ago now, but it's called Love, Rosie. Um, it was interesting, okay. right? Watched with my roommates. Been listening to a lot of Casey Musgraves, especially her newest album, which is escaping me right now. So I can't even say, oh, wait, it's uh, something rainbow. I think something, some of the rainbows. I don't know. It was pretty good. Kind of like a full. It'd be great if it was called escaping me right now escaping me right now oh dang that's actually album name calling it <laughs> band name me right now uh no so that's been it's been really good it's really chill music and uh yeah it's just been a couple st- stressful weeks back to back so it was nice to have something laid back and then going along with that i've been listening to a lot of disney music to to kind of chill down uh just relax so and then with my roommates i've been playing this deck building game so it's just called the lord of the rings deck building game and it's awesome absolutely awesome have you won yet oh yeah actually not to brag but i kind of set the record by like over 100 points for a single turn like how much yeah anyways that was totally bragging so not to brag but i totally just brag um but yeah i've i've won i've gotten completely uh, annihilated a few times it's it's really fun and then a show that you and I watched a while back, but I just came back to SAO. I started watching season Mm. one of SAO again. Um, So that's called sword art online for those of you who are not familiar with it, but 
super, super good, interesting anime story. Um, so that's that's mostly it. There's a few other things, but I think I'll try and save them for next week. Okay. In case I actually uh, do a good job of fasting this week. Yes. <laughs> so with that, uh, we're going to transition into our topic. And this week's topic is actually a little bit different than what we do on here a lot of the time. So for those of you who know me, you probably know that I am obsessed with like etymology and language and just how do words come together and how do languages come together and um, how are they shaped by other languages and stuff like that. So uh, I was having a conversation the other day and I was just kind of like throwing out some fun facts of some phrases and words that exist in the English language only because of Christianity. Um, and I started thinking about how there's a lot of them. So I started doing some research just out of curiosity and there's a ton. So our topic this week is language, which is a huge part of culture that I don't think we've ever talked about on the show before. Even I guess we've kind of like made references here and there, but we're going to be talking about the different parts of the English language that exist most likely solely because of the Judeo-Christian um, like realm of, of culture. So that's what we're doing. I, I should clarify though, uh, though most of these are attributed to the Bible and Judeo-Christian culture, some of them are kind of uncertain. They might have existed before even like Judaism or before Christianity, but they were definitely popularized by Judeo-Christian religions. So even if they existed before, they most likely would not have existed in modern languages unless uh, they were popularized by Christianity, which kind of spread them around the world. So can you, before you like super dive in, yeah, I know you just, you'd literally almost just defined it, but uh, for anyone, could you just like give a quick summary of why the terminology Judeo-Christian like culture like the word just Judeo-Christian. Yeah. Um, yeah. So why do we say Judeo-Christian uh, as kind of like a co combination? Um, right. A composite term. Yeah. Uh, so for anyone who's not aware, the, the Christian faith is stemmed from the Jewish faith, um, our entire Old Testament and the ancient parts of our, our faith come from Judaism. I, I love this quote by Bishop Robert Barron. He said, if you don't know Israel, then you can never know Christ, which is kind of crazy, but it's true. Like the, the idea of a Messiah doesn't make sense without the, the Jewish roots of what that means um, or, or the fall, even like all that stuff comes from, uh, from Judaism. And then you look at the early church and for the first decade or so, they considered themselves to be Jewish and they called themselves Jews of the way. So originally we were just a subsect of Judaism. So Christianity just, just yeah. kind of broke off from that. So that's why we say Judeo-Christian. We're like Jewish, Jewish Mandalorians. What? <laughs> I'm confused. This is the way. Oh, this is the way. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. So uh, I, I used to do uh, judo, right? Uh, yeah, I've told you that. So I used to do judo, which is like a martial art. I don't. Yes, you, I think so. Yes, you did. Was, I think so. Is that a question? I can't remember sometimes. But so I think I did. in Japanese, look at us. Do the the second part of that. Here we here we are doing language. Not even planning this. The the do part <laughs> at the end. Uh, Who would have thought? Like bushido, uh, judo, like all those Japanese words end in do means the way of something, uh, and so it's the way of. Oh. Ju. It's t the ju means uh, gentleness. So it's technically the way of gentleness, but if you say you don't translate the Ju part, it's the way of Jew. So it's kind of like early Christianity. Anyways, okay. there we go. So, so this is our topic for this week. Now that we've gone on that tangent, um, so we're gonna break down some terms. I think most of them are pretty common, to be honest, and some of them are, are pretty surprising. So let's start with some of the easy ones. So the the, the first kind of group that I have here we'll start with the Good Samaritan. So this is a pretty obvious one. It comes from Luke chapter 10, verse 30 through 37. And it's the parable of the Good Samaritan. Uh, 
this is completely from scripture. I don't think this one is super surprising. Anyone who knows uh, what that is, but as far as like what the good Samaritan is in our modern language, it's someone who goes out of their way to help their neighbor essentially, or, or help someone. Right. Anything you want to add to that? I think that one's pretty straightforward. No. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I just, I can foresee, I don't know if that's like, there's some that you already have examples for that. Some of these aren't used in the same way anymore. Probably not. Is that true at all? Yeah, for sure. Uh, and especially when we get into this, I feel like, I feel like some people can call someone a good Samaritan for doing something that actually is unlike something the actual good Samaritan would do. That makes sense. Yeah. But and that's they're probably not from tangent Samaria really either. Right, exactly. Yeah. Who do that? Uh, yeah, for sure. When we get into the second section, especially, I think we're going to have a lot of those that kind of have changed pretty significantly. So you want to jump in and do some of these too, since uh, sure, yeah. some, some of these first ones are pretty easy. Yeah, so the next one is forbidden fruit, which comes from Genesis chapter 3, verse 3. Apparently there was some fruit we were, that was forbidden. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's the, the fall of man, right? So Yeah. Uh, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Um, yeah. And I guess in modern language, this is normally used when we're doing something we're not supposed to do. Or like, we know or, it's wrong, but we kind of want it anyways. Yeah. It's literally usually spoken of some something you can do or some item or s- sometimes a person that like, you want or desire but you can't have because like that was the idea when god said when god said like you you can't eat of this that's the only one because they were made perfectly at the time they were like cool sounds great but once like this ideal of like lying and all stuff entered they're like wait now i do want it so yeah cool enticing so the next one is like a lamb led to slaughter. So this is uh, the main reference is in Isaiah 53, but it's everywhere in scripture. I mean, you see it in Revelation, you see it in the Gospels, you see it in uh, Paul's letter, Paul's letters. Um, yeah, it, it's all over the place, but it's just the idea of this lamb that's going to be sacrificed uh, for someone else, right? So uh, a lot of the times you see that in like movies where someone's laying down their life for someone else. We've talked about that before. And this actually kind of transitions into our, our last one here. Uh, you want to go ahead and mention that one real quick? Well, I can mention it, but you're gonna have to touch on the actual oh, scripture. Sure. sure. Uh, scapegoat. Yeah. Which I actually do know where that comes from, but I'm unprepared. Okay. Uh, yeah. So it comes from uh, Leviticus, everyone's favorite book to read in scripture. Um, but the scapegoat, uh, we had a whole podcast on this early on, I think, season one. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe you guys can check that out if you want more details because we're going to jump into some of the other stuff later. But the idea of a scapegoat is that they had a goat, which they would send into the wilderness. And when they did so, they'd put all of the sins of the tribe of Israel or tribes of Israel onto this goat and send it into the wilderness as a sacrifice. So the goat would take the, sac- the, the sins and when it died, the sins would be forgiven and and die with, with the goat. That's kind of the idea behind it. And so Christ obviously would be that scapegoat for the rest of us, but in his sacrifice, the sins were actually forgiven, not just symbolically. So, so that's kind of the gist of it. If you want more details, go check out that episode. I'm blanking, but I'm pretty sure it has scapegoat in the title of the episode. If I remember correctly. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think it does actually. I think you're right. Um, and then I, w- something that came to mind is I think ironically the term like a lamb led to the slaughter nowadays is almost like looked at like badly, like, sure. or, or like yeah. with, with super like sympathy or like, Oh man, that person did this thing. Like a lamb led to the slot, like, like a lamb doesn't know what it, it's being led to, which is true. But really, like the idea of, of a lamb is like innocence and like this unblemished thing that later, you know, bleeds into Jesus. But it's just crazy that the passion and like the cross and like as disturbing as that whole story is, how beautiful it is. But now when we use that term, we throw it around like that's not something we, we would not want to be the lamb. Right. 
Yeah, it had kind of has this connotation of like weakness and just completely being overpowered rather and than ignorance. Yeah. 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 Which is not where it comes from. So yeah. Okay, so that's gonna be the end of our first like super easy ones. And easy we're gonna, ones. yeah. So now we're gonna jump into the super common but really surprising ones. And trivia round two. Yeah. Uh, and these are these first two are actually the ones that I was talking about, which made me think of this topic. So the first one is one of my favorites to bring up in conversation because it's something that we use literally every day and no one knows that it comes from Christian roots. So it's the word goodbye. So goodbye is actually an old English, um, not like it's not an acronym. It's just they took a bunch of words and a phrase and combined them together. So the actual origins of goodbye is God be with ye, and then they changed God to good to make it sound more like good morning or good evening or good night. So God be with ye. So it was a it was a farewell. So when you left, you would say God be with ye, which ye obviously means you, right? So God be with you, and it was this this blessing upon the person. So when you say goodbye, you're wishing a blessing from God on this person. So there you go. Every time an atheist says goodbye to you, they're praying. Ha. What if they just say bye? Ooh. Then they're just saying be with ye. So it's not a, a complete thought. So they're just using bad grammar. My English teachers in high school okay. would be furious. Okay. <laughs> be you. <laughs> uh, okay. So uh, do you have any other comments on that before we keep jumping? No, that's fascinating. Yeah. I, I love that. I didn't know that. Yeah. It's kind of like, have you heard that there's a comedian that does a uh, sketch on atheist sneeze? And how they like refuse to say God bless you because it's yeah. Anyways, so <laughs> the next word that Dane Cook, uh, right? Is it probably that sounds he like does, Cook. he does something like unless he stole it from somebody. It it probably is for doing that. Probably is. Anyways, so the next word that I want to talk about is excruciating. Like something is super painful and it's just kind of unbearable. So if you look at the word excruciating, you can probably figure out where this comes from, but it's a uh, English version or anglicized version of the phrase ex crucio, which means of the cross or from the cross. So it basically is talking about Christ's crucifixion. And this is as like a connection to something being as painful as Christ being crucified or anyone being crucified, but specifically it was popularized because of Christ's crucifixion, right? So excrucio, excruciating. Any comments? Mm. I don't, I don't want to hog things, but. No, no, you're not. I'm glad you took these because I can see your notes, but you yeah. have more to elaborate on. No, I think, I think that, as well as it is self-explanatory, it's one of the things I also would not have thought about. Cool. Well, why don't you, there's a lot of notes for the next one. So why don't you go ahead and read that one and then I can kind of offer some insights. Okay. This next one is uh, acapella. Um, That's beautiful. Which, acapella. <laughs> um, With the hands and everything. <laughs> uh, which is an Italian word. Yes. Why I did that terrible thing for in the manner of the chapel um, or according to the chapel. Um, so what does that mean? Yeah. So basically if you're familiar with like Gregorian chants or the way um, music used to be celebrated in the church, there were no instruments. They would sing only with their voices. And it's really, really beautiful. If you haven't heard it before, just Google or go to YouTube or Spotify and type in Gregorian chant. Uh, and actually, today is the Feast of St. Gregory, who uh, that's named after. I didn't even think about that. But yeah, um, so that's pretty cool. But Gregorian chant, super cool. And it's it's just singing without music, but it comes from a cappella uh, in the manner of the chapel. So singing in the way of the chapel. So that's where that comes from. You want to try the next one? Or this one has Latin. The next, you, okay, yeah. uh, the next word is noon. Uh, mm-hmm. I think so. Is it, is it nonia? Nonia? Nanya, Nanya, <laughs> Nona. Is it Nanya? <laughs> okay, Latin word for Nonya, which means nine, uh, and basically this is based off of the lit- liturgy hours, where mm-hmm. um, one of my favorite types of prayers actually, where uh, 
priests, brothers, sisters, and even lay people will, you know, say prayers that are going along with the Psalms and certain readings at three to six hours. I think it's every three hours. Is that right? Yeah, it's every three hours. Every three hours, if you do, you know, all of them. And there's one prayer set at 3 p.m., which is the ninth hour of the day after sunrise. Mm -hmm. Um, at six sunrise which starts 6 a.m and eventually over time that prayer started being said at 12 p.m and so this this uh latin term for the ninth prayer which translates to noon is now what we call 12 p.m yep anything for that no i mean that's that's basically it so it goes from nona which means nine or known to nona which is not ninth hour to noon and then when they changed it to a few hours before they just kept the the name so that's where it comes from so this one's kind of a fun one but we're going to jump over to german actually so (laughs) i think this is super ironic because this word is used derogatorily towards us all the time but it's the word bigot so the word bigot uh we're not positive on this but we're pretty sure that it comes from the German phrase by Gott, uh, which in English means by God. And it refers to someone who is a, a religious hypocrite. Um, so basically someone who is claims to be religious, but is actually a hypocrite. Um, so that's kind of where that comes from. And that's obviously used a lot. Uh, so it, it is kind of ironic that it has a, um, an origin in Christianity, but it, it was still a derogatory term, even in its origin. So, so now does it mean strictly like hypocrite, essentially, though? Uh, I I don't think so. I think in the last five years, it's kind of taken on a whole new meaning, yeah, right? Probably. And it, it's become like this politically, like, stimulating word for basically anyone that that's intolerant. Yeah, I think hip, the reason hypocrites in there is probably uh where the evolution of that happened where it was like one it was strictly someone who was a religious hypocrite and then it kind of evolved into any type of hypocrite saying like i do this but you know they don't and then that kind of just evolved into a term where it's just someone you don't like or someone that's doing something well i wonder if it actually if it came from like people perceive christians or religious people as intolerant and so just yeah. the leap from anyone who's religious is intolerant. So anyone who's religious is a bigot. I think that, that makes sense too. I think that could be part of it as well. So not sure, uh, but it, it is kind of interesting that uh, that has some roots there. So this one has some Latin. So I'll go ahead and, and give a shot here yep. and see what you think. So this one is one of those that's like kind of, questioned they're not positive where it comes from but the phrase hocus pocus which we hear a lot in like around halloween time and it kind of means something along the lines of like magic-y or you know just tricks or a really cool movie that scared me when i was a little kid Um, but hocus pocus so they think that it's a parody of the latin words for consecration in mass the catholic mass so the words at consecration are hoc est corpus meum, which means this is my body. Um, so this is my body. And so people perceiving from the outside of the Catholic mass view this consecration as magic. And so they made the leap of hoc est corpus meum to hocus pocus uh, as kind of like a making fun of, of Catholics uh, and as something that's magical. I could see that. That makes a lot of sense, actually. Yeah. Uh, all right. So this next one has Greek, which I'm not very good at. So hopefully we'll, Here we go. we'll make it work. Um, so the word cemetery. The word cemetery comes from the Greek word koimeter. Oh, let's try that again. Koimeterion. That's probably wrong, but something like that, <laughs> which means a sleeping place or dormitory. So when the early Christians referred to their deceased brothers and sisters as being asleep because they were going to be awoken at the resurrection of the body, the resurrection of the dead, um, 
the rest of the world saw that as, okay, this is where the Christians are putting all of their sleeping brothers and sisters. And so it is a, it's a dormitory. It's a sleeping place. So that's kind of where the word cemetery came from. So there was probably hmm. a, a few transitions in there from Koimeterion to uh, probably the C in cemetery was like a hard C at first, whereas Kemeteri. Uh, and so it probably transitioned that way would be my assumption. Right. All right. You want to go ahead and uh, give this one a shot? I'll do it. I'll try it. Uh, this word is macabre, right? That's how you pronounce that. Macabre. The R is like silent. Is that really right? Mm-hmm. Macabre. Okay. I'll edit that out. This word is macabre. Today, that's a word that refers to anything gruesome or dealing with death. And uh, this comes from Latin roots. You want me to give this one a shot? Oof. Now I'm going to try it. Okay. Macaborium. That's that's really close. So the, the AE is, is like a AE. Macaborium. You were really close though. Macaborium. Oh, that does make sense. Macaborium, which means dance of the Maccabees. Yeah. And this is referred to the graphic de- uh, de- description descriptions of the martyrs recorded in first and second Maccabees in, in the Bible. Yeah. Uh, which were in it's, it's almost like Maccabee comes from this term of martyrdom referred to in Maccabees. Yeah. Would yeah. Because right? macabre. Yeah. So okay. if, uh, if you read Maccabees, it's all about revolution. It's all about like, there's so much death. There's tons of death in, in those two books. And so we kind of see, that this macabre comes from Maccabee, uh, which in itself would be a really interesting topic to discuss sometime, but just the, the whole story of Maccabees. All right. So our I'll next this one, one too. go ahead. This one flows right into it. Actually. Uh, the, next, the last word of these common phrases that aren't as easy at the beginning is uh, martyr, uh, which comes from a Greek word, which essentially translates to witness uh, and so the word martyr kind of refers to the Christians who were witnesses to the gospel or the good news by dying for what they believed in. Yeah. Yeah. hundred um, percent. Yeah. And that's one that comes up a lot. Uh, a lot of uh, speakers now will, will make a reference to that. So that, that's a pretty cool one. Yeah. So, like I said, this section, the super common, but really surprising. I think these were the ones that most, like I said, are most surprising, I guess, um, but have changed the most, right? Because very few of these actually have that same meaning as original. So hopefully this third section will uh, have somewhat of, of a connection to its original. But so this third section are common phrases that seem to come from various translations of scripture. So this could be from the Latin translations or the early Aramaic and Greek translations, or even later translations in German or English or whatever. So it's kind of just the perception. A lot of them though are going to come from the King James version, uh, just because that was very popular for a very long time. So makes sense. here we go. The first one, is how the mighty have fallen. This comes from 2 Samuel chapter 1, verse 19, where it says, Your beauty, O Israel, is slain on your high places. How have the mighty fallen? Uh, and so it's just a direct reference to 2 Samuel 1, 19. And this, I mean, it, this is a pretty straightforward phrase. It hasn't really changed, but it's just when someone very powerful falls uh, and uh, that's a pretty common thing in in movies and media and stuff. So we, we've covered different stuff like that before, but that phrase is just kind of a trope that we hear a lot in different mm-hmm. movies. So that's a pretty easy one. The next one is, uh, I don't think people realize that this is from scripture, uh, but money. So. Do you think people do? I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's a good, it's a good question. I, I think maybe it's like 60 40 okay i i didn't know it until probably the last couple years but let's go ahead and tell everyone else what it is and you guys can let us know what you think so this one is money is the root of all evil 
So it's a little bit different one than what it says in scripture in first Timothy six ten, where it says for the love of money is a root of all sorts of evil. And some by longing for it have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. And so this is Paul um, writing to Timothy, just talking about how money can be corruptive, right? We mm-hmm. even hear that in, um, I think it's Matthew where Jesus uh, is talking about like camel going through the eye of a needle. Maybe that's not Matthew. Don't quote me on that. Um, but right. So he's, I think the other version would be the gospel where he says you can't serve both man and man, mammon, 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 mammon and God, mammon, which is like money essentially earthly things. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Uh, you want to tackle one? Sure. Uh, this is actually one I didn't know about, but rise and shine, which yeah, that's the way, that's the way my mom woke us up when we were little all the time. Just, she would just sing it in some kind of song. Right. Everyone um, says that. I, I feel like that's a pretty rise and shine. Get up. It's time to wake up. <laughs> uh, that's what some of my mom would do. And uh, so this comes from Isaiah chapter 60, verse one, where it says arise shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Um, which that makes sense. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of like this idea of get up and get into the world because the way that you live your life shines a light for everyone else to see the glory of the Lord. As well as the light of the Lord has a, like almost allowed you another day. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like like, this is another one that's kind of changed though, because like, obviously we don't think of uh, rise and shine being bringing glory to someone else. It's mostly like rise and be shine, like be the best version of yourself kind of thing. I don't think anyone even hears or even like processes the word shine. And wake up. <laughs> it's just wake up. It's just rise and shine, which means like get your butt out of bed. Uh, five more minutes. Exactly. <laughs> and you're like, okay, I'm waking up. But like that shine part. Uh, yeah, that's been lost, but we yeah. still use it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So the next one is straight and narrow. I feel like this is one that people pretty, like, like still today connect with scripture. And so this is from Matthew seven fourteen, where it says, enter through the narrow gate for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who enter through it for the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life. And there are few who find it. And so this actually comes from, uh, so the adjective straight comes from the old English word estre or etois, meaning tight, close, or narrow. So straight essentially means narrow. So it's saying narrow and narrow, basically. So it's it's talking about this narrow gate, this narrow pathway that leads to heaven that not very many people will will make it to. Yeah, I think this is one of the few. There's another one, two two from now, uh, that when anybody uses it, whether they're Christian or not, I think like even subconsciously are referring to scripture. Yeah, because they know where it's coming is, from. Yeah, this is usually referred to when like your mom or your dad is telling you about the group of friends you're hanging out with. Yeah, uh, like don't hang out with those people. We want you on the good, you know, straight and narrow. Once you go to high school, graduate, go to college, and or, you know, or like when someone do drugs, recovering from rehab or something, and they're like, oh no, I'm back on the straight and narrow, right? Right. Yeah. So I, yeah, yeah they know, they know what they're saying. They know, yeah, they, for sure. All right. You want to take this one? Sure. You give me all the ones I don't know. Oh, uh, well, I can do it. Sorry. No, it's fine. It's fine. Let me do it. This is fun. It's for the, it's for the <laughs> listeners. This is for you guys. We do it for the content. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing new under the sun, which comes from uh, Ecclesiastes chapter one, verse nine. That which has been is that which will be. And that which has been done is that which will be done. So there is nothing new under the sun. Yeah, I mean, that's confusing as all get up. Uh, (laughs) I had to read through this one a few times just to figure out even what it's saying. But it's basically saying like everything that is going to happen has happened before. And it's there's nothing that's going to surprise us. originality is dead yeah not even that necessarily i think it's kind of like 
like the idea that our sins are like these crazy new things. No, every sin we've ever done has been done before, right? There's nothing new under the sun. You've, you've done it. Other people have done it. Like, not that it's justifying it, but at the same time, like know that you're not alone in this, this struggle. And I think it, it might not necessarily be talking about just sin here, but there's a lot of things like people have been around for a long time. All right. We've done a lot of things and we just have a different way of doing them now with a technology that has kind of changed, but it's the same sins, the same issues, the same relationships, right? Just being told through a different story. I even think this one could be talked about extensively because uh, as we've talked about in other podcasts, you know, whenever there's like that referral to son, there's always that parallel to like the son of Christ. And I think doesn't really touch on it I'd, I'd be interested in what comes before and after this scripture but like um this idea you know i've, I've yeah i have this thing where i, I talk to you know, adults or kids of like try to think of a color that doesn't exist and you can't but like god can and so like there's nothing that you can do or create or come up with that god hasn't already probably thought of done created or came up with even if it doesn't exist right now in this world or in this lifetime and so there's nothing new under the sun meaning there's nothing new under our christ or under our god because he is far beyond the thinking that our brains are do you want to hear yeah do you want to hear the context i just looked it up sure all right if it helps maybe i'm far off but yeah um, I, I don't know. I, I feel like it probably has different layers, like most uh, parts like of onions. scripture, like onions or like parfaits. Onions have layers. Uh, okay. So this is just the, let's see, two verses before and we'll do two verses after. So seven through 11. So it says all streams flow into the sea, yet the sea is never full to the place the streams come from. There they return again. All things are wearisome more than one can say. The eye never has enough of seeing nor the ear its fill of hearing. What has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which one can say, look, this is something new. It was here already long ago. It was here before our time. No one remembers the former generations, and even those yet to come will not be remembered by those who follow them. So, yeah, I think it's kind of like what we were talking about, but also goes even further into saying, just because we do the same things doesn't mean we can't that we have to get tired of doing those things. Like there can be joy and contentment found in doing our purpose. Like you said, this is, you can open this in multiple ways. I think what you said earlier about there's nothing you can do sinfully or bad that hasn't been done before. I think it touches on the beginning. And what I was saying about like anything that you find is new, God has already like, found is comes near the end but also this is one of those things that i think we struggle with today where we feel isolated in our in our issues or isolated in our uniqueness or anything where we're like i'm the only one that does this or i'm the only one and it's literally saying like no if it's even if it's new to you doesn't mean it's never been seen heard done before um Mm. so that's interesting yeah uh you want to go and take the next one I will. Uh, this one is wolf in sheep's clothing. This is one I was referring to uh, when we were talking about the straight and narrow. This is another one I think when anyone refers to wolf in sheep's clothing, they know they're quoting scripture. Uh, I, would I mean, so. the only other thing they could be quote quoting is the boy who cried wolf, but I don't think the wolf put on sheep's clothing in that one. Nope. And uh, so this one is from Matthew seven fifteen, and it says, "Beware of the false prophets." who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Um, and this is just one of those references similar to the lambs to the goats. There are sheep and there are wolves. There's, there's the good and the bad. And there are things that are bad that seem good. And it's just because it's, it's, it's either covered up in, in, this, in these lies or whatever, but it's, it's, like it said, false prophets. And now we use that for, once again, I think it's the same thing as straight and narrow. Your parents are telling you about your friend groups and you're like, look, I know that you think they're, they love you and they care for you, but they're, they just want your money or something. I don't know. 
Hans from Frozen. Someone should have said that to, to Anna, and we would have never had all those issues in Frozen 1. Except that he was the best character in that movie. Ooh, savage. Okay. <laughs> change my mind. Change my mind. Uh, and the no. most steps. <laughs> so the next one, I think, is probably the most complex of anything we're going to be talking about on the show today. And I, I didn't know this. Uh, yeah, it's going to be super long. So we'll try and break it down as it goes. And there's definitely going to be some words that I can't pronounce. So bear with me here. But it's called, uh, the phrase is writings on the wall. And so this comes from Daniel chapter five. I just put the whole chapter because it's, it's so long. Just read the whole chapter. You'll get context and have a better idea rather than just reading a few verses. But essentially, in the beginning, we have King Belshazzar of Babylon who held a feast where he and all of the Babylonian nobles used the gold and silver vessels that they stole from the temple in Jerusalem when they sacked it and then brought all of the uh, Israelites to uh, captivity in Babylon. Um, And they used these gold and silver vessels to drink. And by drinking, they were like offering drinks in worship to their false gods. So you can kind of see that's, it's obviously a big no, no. So this is the, the, Uh, see verses five through nine that comes after that it says suddenly the fingers of a man's hand emerged and began writing opposite the lampstand on the plaster of the wall of the king's palace and the king saw the back of the hand that did the writing then the king's face grew pale and his thoughts alarmed him and his hip joints went slack and his knees began knocking together the king called aloud to bring in the conjurers and the chaldeans and the diviners the king spoke and said to the wise men of babylon Any man who can read this inscription and explain its interpretation to me shall be clothed with purple and have a necklace of gold around his neck. Uh, For anyone who doesn't know, the color purple is the color of kings. Then all the king's wise men came in, but they could not read the inscription or make known his interpretation to the king. Then King Belshazzar was greatly alarmed. His face grew even paler and his nobles were perplexed. So after this, the, the queen comes in and basically is like, says to the king, there's this prophet, Daniel, he's one of the Israelites that we have uh, as essentially a slave here, and he can interpret it. He's a, he's a prophet. This is what he does. So Daniel comes in and he's like, he figures it out. He knows exactly what's going on. So this is what he says. Now, this is the inscription that was written out. Mene, mene, tekel, urfasin. I have no idea if I said that correctly. Uh, this is the interpretation of the message. Mene. God has numbered your kingdom and put an end to it. Tekel, you have been weighed on the scales and found deficient. Perez, your kingdom has been divided and given over to the Medes and Persians. So essentially, the writing on the wall, it comes down to those three things. God has numbered your kingdom and put an end to it. So your kingdom is coming an end to an end. You have been weighed and found wanting. Um, that's another uh, phrase that we didn't even include on here, but I, I love that phrase. You've been weighed, uh, you've been measured, and you've been found deficient or wanting. And that just means like you're not living up to the expectations that have been set for you. Uh, and then finally, their kingdom will be given over to their enemies. So essentially, you are sinning. You've fallen short of who you are expected to be. Your kingdom will come to an end, and it will be given over to your enemies. So the writing on the wall, that's what that means. Nowadays, it's a little bit different. Um, I, I feel like the writing on the wall is kind of like trying to. Yeah, I don't know. How, how do you even I, say that? I don't know. I don't know. I've never heard that used really? in context. Yeah. Like well, in modern context. Well, it's, it's like when you should have seen something coming, but you didn't. So that's that's what it's used in modern context. So well, that sounds the writing relevant, the does it not? Yeah, yeah, I guess it does. Because like the kingdom should have seen it coming and didn't. And then this writings, which they needed a prophet to translate said like, Hey, it's coming to an end because he didn't like do better. You, do you know, we've talked about this on the podcast before this. Yeah. When? So do you remember when I, I brought, we did like three different songs that were like unrelated, but they were all like really depressing. Yeah. Okay. The very first song has uh, the second stanza. That's right. It says signs and wonders, water stained writings on the wall, Daniel's message, 
blood of the moon on us all. Okay, and so this is super this, like the end of the kingdom coming. This is super awkward because I was thinking as I was pre- preparing this, I was like, I know I heard this on a podcast somewhere. I was like, I should look this it's up and I, I can't figure it out. <laughs> and it was our podcast and I had no idea. So there we go. Well, that's so funny. That's embarrassing. My face is red for anyone who's uh, who's wondering. <laughs> I I even listened to no, all of our episodes a- and I, I didn't remember. No, it's okay. It's just really funny because I was like, you said like you said it and you started reading it. I was like, wait a minute. And then you're like, I never, I didn't even know this one. And I was like, we talked about this, <laughs> but no, I didn't know that until I heard that song and I started looking up the lyrics and I, it's just, it's just a weird scripture to not really know about. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's, that's interesting. Yeah. I like that. Okay. So I think the rest of them are a little bit shorter, which is good. We have about eight left, mm-hmm. um, but they're, they're pretty straightforward. So let's just, let's get to it. So the next one is at your wits end. So this comes from Psalm 107 verses 23 through 27. And it says, those who go down to the sea and ships who do business on great waters, they have seen the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. For he spoke and raised up a stormy wind, which lifted up the waves of the sea. They rose up to the heavens. They went down to the depths. Their soul melted away in their misery. They reeled and staggered like a drunken man and and were at their wits end. And so that last part, at their wits end, literally translates to all their wisdom has been swallowed up. So that's where that comes from. Uh, their, their wisdom being swallowed up by the sea at your wits end basically means like you're going crazy because... Uh, like everything You're is patient. just going wrong. No more patient. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Stressed out. And I can see where that comes from. Like your wisdom has been swallowed up uh, by the sea. I can see Im- impatience coming in and just like you, your wisdom might have uh, like failed in getting to that situation possibly. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Um, so I, I can speculate with that one, but I'm not really sure necessarily that the kind of transformation over time. Uh, you want to tackle the next one or you want me to take it? Sure, I got it. Uh, the next one is Eat, Drink, and Be Merry. Uh, it's from a few different passages. Uh, we have Ecclesiastes again, 8.15, Luke 12.19, and 1 Corinthians 15.32. Um, I'll just read those all together. Uh, so I commend pleasure, for there is nothing good for a man under the sun except to eat, to eat and to drink and to be merry. And then I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years to come. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. And it from, no, sorry, not it. If from human motives I fought with wild beasts at Ephesus, what does it profit me? If the dead are not raised, let us eat, drink, for tomorrow we will die. Um, and I think this is one of those things we have a, a rule of, well, I don't know if we really follow that rule of life anymore, but part of a rule of life in uh, a door was to, you know, raise your glass into the glory of God and, and to eat like, uh, you know, in, in moderation. And it's just like this idea that like, you know, as we've seen, we can see in like the story of Noah and like multiple things in scripture, like there is rejoicing to do for this beauty of, of feasting uh, as we've also seen in uh, Exodus 90. This is time of like when even in fasting and in prayer and in community, there's a time to eat, drink and celebrate with your community. What well, do you that's, got? A, that's another phrase that uh, is from scripture. There's a time for rejoicing and a time for sorrow. Yeah. Right. So I, I saw that one when I was doing research, but I was like, that one's kind of too obvious. So I didn't. Yeah. But no, I think it's good. Cause eat, drink, and be merry. I think that's, I think it's looked at more as like a pirate term now. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which is super ironic. Um, but, but yeah, <laughs> I'm using it way wrong. Yeah, for sure. No, but I, I think you, you had some good comments there. All right. You got it. Next okay. one. So the next one is fall by the wayside. This comes from the parable of the sower, which is a pretty popular one comes from Luke chapter eight, verse five, which says the sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell beside the road, AKA fell by the wayside and it was trampled underfoot and the birds of the air ate it up. So it literally just means fell to the side of the road. Yeah. Um, Or left and forgotten, which is how we term now. Yeah. So that one's, Again, pretty straightforward. Hasn't changed all that much. Uh, just yeah. the origins of where it came from is a little bit different. 
right. All you. Uh, this next one is a leopard cannot change its spots. Uh, from Jeremiah 3.23, can the Ethiopian change his skin or the leopard his spots? Then you also can do good who are accustomed to doing evil. Um, and it's, yeah, I don't know. I know this from like children's books. Mostly, I have, like just books that my mom would read me, where it talks about like a leopard can't change its spots, this animal can't do this, which is the idea of like uh, we're limited or we're not limited, and one of the things we're not limited in is the good and the bad we can do. We still have a choice. There's certain things we have a choice in. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, and uh, it's a lot of just like being comfortable in your own skin and recognizing mm-hmm. who you are. Um, yeah, but, so it's kind of like a you are who you are kind of thing, um, but be the be good in who you are, not not evil. I was born this way. <coughs> Baby, I was born this way. Uh, please don't let me ever do that again. <laughs> All right. So the next one is one that I, I don't know if I've actually ever heard in like conversation ever, which is by really? the skin of my teeth. So this comes from Job 1920. My bone clings to my skin and my flesh, and I have escaped only by the skin of my teeth. Um, yeah. And so this one is is kind of weird. I guess the entire story of Job is weird. Um, but it's this idea of he's going through this extraordinary suffering. And the only way that I can make this connection is the skin of your teeth is very thin and weak, right? And so I, I would imagine, because by the skin of my teeth, it's basically like I just barely got away. And so I guess the, the skin of your teeth being very, very thin and I don't know, easily damaged, I guess. I there is any. There is no skin on your teeth. Well, it's like your gums, right? I don't know. It's saying that my bone clings to my skin and my flesh, and your teeth are just bone. Oh. Meaning, you know what I mean? Like, this is bone, but there's no skin. I mean, your gums, yeah, but I don't know if your gums count as skin. And it's almost saying, like, he escaped, but by literally nothing. Hmm. Okay. I like that better. um, Um. you know, like they, your skin is something to cling to, but when you escape by the skin of your teeth, which I'm surprised you actually haven't heard that, it, you know, sometimes we'll say that in gaming, sometimes we'll say that in certain things, like I just got out by the skin of my teeth. And it just means like, by just like barely. this much, just barely. Yeah. Um, which means, yeah, like there's no skin on your teeth, but he still got out. And it's almost like if he was left to just his teeth, then he wouldn't have done it because there's, there's no, there's not that clinging to. Gotcha. Yeah, I've I've heard it before. I just haven't heard it in like an actual, like someone using it as an expression. I've heard people reference it, but I've never. Yeah, I don't think that's one that's changed much, but no one's had as bad as a day as Job. So <laughs> this is true. Guy had a rough life. All right, this one's all yours. Uh, a house divided against itself. Uh, and that comes from Matthew twelve twenty five. And knowing their thoughts, Jesus said to them, any kingdom divided against itself is laid to waste. In any city or house divided against itself will not stand. <clears throat> this is really funny because my dad went to Georgia Tech, which is like, you know, let's say AM, right? Yeah. And my sister now goes to Georgia University, which let's say, I don't know, Texas Tech or whatever the rival is. Texas. And there's signs that you can buy in Georgia that has like both under a roof and it just mm-hmm. says house divided. Yeah. We have the same thing in Iowa, Iowa and Iowa state. And that's so ironic though, because yeah, it's literally doing the opposite of what this is saying. It's like, Oh, well we're a house divided. Like we're going to fall. And they're glorifying that and celebrating that. It's like, uh, no, this is about your family falling apart. Uh, probably not the best way to, to right. kind of celebrate this. So that one is completely changed. And um, it's mostly with sports really yeah. nowadays. Or, or but, just like any specific thing that you, or maybe you pol- right. politics. Yeah. Like major sure. beliefs outside yeah. of, I think religion really, but, yeah. but it, it's almost like a parody, right? It's like they, they know what it's, it's referring <laughs> to. What? That's what it's like. It's like, ha ha ha. We're oh, house divided. Yeah. yeah. And so it's kind of like laughing at themselves, which uh, I don't know. Jesus has some pretty good advice there. You should take it guys. Uh, but I feel like it's a pretty small thing to be divided on uh, college sports. But what do I know? I'm not a huge sports guy, so. All right. All right, you got this. This next one, I didn't know. It's a great word. Behemoth. 
So behemoth comes from scripture. So this comes from Job again, chapter 40, verses 15 through 24. So this is kind of long, but let me, let me read the scripture and then see if you guys can guess what it's referring to. It's referring to an actual thing that we still have today. Um, it's, a, it's an animal, um, but I'll tell you at the end, but just see if you can guess just based off the description. So it says this, behold now behemoth, which I made as well as you. He eats grass like an ox. Behold now his strength in his loins and his power in the muscles of his belly. He bends his tail like a cedar. The sinews of his thighs are knit together. His bones are tubes of bronze. His limbs are like bars of iron. He is the first of the ways of God. Let his maker bring near his sword. Surely the mountains bring him food and all the beasts of the field play there. Under the lotus plants, he lies down in the covert of the reeds and the marsh. The lotus plants cover him with shade. The willows of the brook surround him. If a river rages, he is not alarmed. He is confident, though the Jordan rushes to his mouth. Can anyone capture him when he is on watch? With barbs, can anyone pierce his nose? All right, so I'm going to give you like five seconds to guess what this animal is. All right, I did not guess it. I had no clue, but it's a hippopotamus, a hippo. They're describing a hippo. So behemoth literally means hippo. So when you say someone is behemoth, you're always saying they're just like a massive person. Hungry, hungry behemoth. Hungry, hungry behemoth. It's, it's all right. It doesn't have quite the same ring, but it's, it's not the, the worst. So there you go. Behemoth comes from scripture. And our last one, you want to take us home? Sure. It is the end of the earth. Uh, also comes from multiple scriptures, Deuteronomy, Job, and Zechariah. Uh, it's been kind of long, so to go through them, it's as the firstborn of his ox, majesty is his, and his horns are the horns of the wild ox. With them, we will push the peoples all at once to the ends of the earth. And those are the ten thousands of Ephraim, and those are the thousands of Manasseh. Um, and then the next scripture is for he looks to the ends of the earth and sees everything under the heavens. And then I will cut off the chariot with Ephraim and the horse from Jerusalem and the, and the bow of war will be cut off and he will speak peace to the nations and his dominion will be from the sea to the, to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. Um, and this is why we have flat earthers. Actually, this is, they, they will reference this, like no joke. Really? Yeah, hundred um, percent. It, it is referenced in other places too. Obviously, like Christ tells us to go to the ends of the earth to evangelize and stuff like that. Ario so. Speedwagon, <laughs> the end of the earth as we know it. Yeah. Um, but I I've, again, I feel like this one's pretty straightforward. It's just go all over the world doing whatever this thing is, or in the case of this, like Christ has or God has dominion over all the earth. Uh, yeah, essentially is what it's saying. So Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, Chapter Two which is the edge of the galaxy. Ah, there you go. To the, 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 the edge the of the galaxy, to the edge of the earth. Yeah. All right. So that is all we have for phrases and etymology. Um, do you have any challenges, Gordon? Uh, we use words? Uh, no, not <laughs> really. Okay. Um, okay. So mine, my, my challenge that I can think of here is think of like be conscious of the words that you use and what meaning they have right so don't just like care carelessly use words you know uh if you're catching yourself Ooh. swearing or like being inconsiderate like think about the words that you say and we tell this to little kids all the time but we as adults don't do it ourselves so that's the first thing and then maybe just choose one or two of these words or phrases and kind of look at them and see what influence that has had over culture uh, i think language is one of the most powerful forms of culture that a lot of the times nowadays gets kind of overlooked. So just kind of consider what language or what power language carries in, in culture and in, in our faith. Yeah. I'm going to just piggyback off that, not to add, not to make a separate challenge, but to add to that with like the mindfulness of words, that's actually really good, especially right now during a time of pandemic, which I think is adding like extra stress or extra isolation or whatever. I think when we feel things, um, we can speak out of emotion yeah, and then kind of go back and think about it. And, you know, there's that silly saying like stick and sticks and stones can break my bones, but words will never hurt me. But our words 
are powerful because when we say something like that just manifests like like something that was in our head into now reality and someone can receive that and be affected by it and that's something that i think you know when it comes to bullies or elementary middle and high school you don't realize going through puberty and these changes and it's insane especially now with middle with a especially now with uh, social media and like the separation of the person and being able to use words. So yeah, Riddle. just with this weird time of, you know, we talked about it two episodes ago of like seeing people as people and all this stuff of just extra, I think added emotion, just, I don't know, just be like, like Clint said, be extra aware of what's coming out of your mouth and like the tone and everything you're using to say it. Cause it's, it's, I think it's more powerful than we realize. Yeah. The end. Yeah. Uh, I don't really have any shout outs, um, but I guess I'll give a shout out to the people I was talking about when this kind of came to mind for an episode. So the entire ministry staff at my church. So we were kind of getting together for prayer. Uh, we pray the Angelus at, at noon every day and we were kind of just like goofing around and throwing stuff. So nice. So shout out to the ministry staff. St. Mary of the Expectation. I really don't have any shout outs myself. Okay, cool. You want to close this out then? Yes. Uh, Thank you guys so much for joining us this week to talk about words and language and stuff. Uh, If you are just now tuning in, then you should check us out for more stuff at our website that we have, thechristinculture.com. From there, you can find other episodes, uh, episodes that me, me, Episodes that I've done with Clint or Steve. Steve is our other guy. If you don't know who that is, he has stuff too. Um, and then we have social medias where you can find through our website. Uh, we have a Facebook, which is Facebook forward slash The Christ and Culture. We have a Twitter, uh, which handle <laughs> is at On The Adventure 2. And uh, yeah, just, you know, reach out. Let us know what you enjoy, what you don't enjoy, and give us ideas. You know, these are late lately things that we've been kind of been taking ourselves and if you're like i want to do you guys do that thing with with this show that i've watched please do that and uh, we will try our best to cover those uh also wherever you are in taking this podcast uh, after this episode is over just quickly go to our page and give us a five-star rating and just fill it out because that is a quick way in this weird time of social distancing you can kind of share something uh you know related to the church uh you can kind of evangelize in a weird way by sharing our ridiculous podcast amen amen all right we're praying for you guys please pray for us and we'll We'll see see you guys next next week. week bye